Hello, and welcome to Rinse and Repeat. I'm Carol Escaros. It would be better if she died than that she be seen by a man. The expectant father shouted those words as he slammed the door. Imagine the scene with me for a moment. An expectant father preferred that his wife die in childbirth than that she would be seen by a male doctor. Young Ida Scudder, the young daughter of medical missionaries, had opened the door to this man and had to tell him that the only doctor that was available to see his wife who was in labor was her father. And she was stunned by the reaction. This expectant father was not willing to have her dad see this woman in labor because, of course, her dad was a male. To make matters worse, the situation happened not once but twice more that same night. In other words, three different expectant fathers came to the door, knocked on the door, and basically said the same thing. We would rather that our wives die in childbirth than they be seen by male doctors. Ida spent the entire night praying, pleading with God to send some sort of a midwife, some sort of help to these women in their laboring hours. And it simply was not God's will that that help would spare their lives. And that very night, all three of those women and all three of those babies died. It was sheer tragedy. And yes, we believe in a sovereign God. So that night, in that moment, really, Ida Scudder gave up all the thoughts of her own marriage, her own comfortable life, her own future of just ease and wealth, which she could have had. And later, in fact, she wrote, I think that was the first time I saw God face to face. And all the time, it seemed to me that he was calling me into his work. She knew God that very night had called her. In fact, that she was convinced he allowed it to be that dramatic, that severe, so she would answer the call. Ida returned to the United States. She studied medicine. In fact, she was the first graduating class of women from the Cornell Medical Center, the first class to admit women at the Cornell Medical Center. And she returned to India to start a medical school for women in India. God supernaturally provided her with money with which to found the Christian Medical College in India, and it soon began accepting hundreds and hundreds of applicants. Would you believe by the year 2003, the Christian Medical College began by Ida Scudder would be the largest Christian hospital in the entire world? Dr. Scudder wrote these words, first ponder, then dare. Know your facts. Count the cost. See, money is not the important thing. What you are building is not a medical school, for example. It is the very kingdom of God. Do not err on the side of being too small. Imagine those words. See, in all that Ida Scudder ever did, she lived by the very words of Jesus. He came not to be served, but to serve. It was not only her personal motto in life. Dr. Scudder had those words of Jesus put on the side of the hospital and made it the motto of the entire institution. And that remains to this day, to not to be served, but to serve.
See, the notion of serving others, of giving our very lives in the service of others to be a blessing by being a help is very much what God had in mind when he created the very first woman that ever existed. Yes, her name is Eve, as you all know. God created Eve to be Adam's help. And that's actually what we're about to look at on this episode of Rinse and Repeat. Eve, the very first woman. Specifically, we're going to look at Eve's role in creation, Eve's role in the fall, and then Eve's role in the curse and later redemption of mankind. But to sum up my brief vignette of Dr. Ida Scudder in India and what's coming up with Eve in a sentence or two, I want to put it simply this way. All who are listening to me, please, if you're note takers, write this down. Esteem what you have been given. Do not take it for granted. Use it wisely and use it for God's glory. I'm going to say that again. Esteem what you have been given. Do not take it for granted. Use it wisely and use it for God's glory. So now, Eve. Eve means the giver of life or simply living. And Adam actually gives that name to Eve specifically after the fall and the curse in Genesis 3.20. But we're going to begin earlier on with Eve's role in creation, and that's beginning in Genesis 2.18. So turn there with me, Genesis 2.18. I'm going to read these verses to us to begin. Genesis 2.18 says this, And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now skip down to verse 21, still here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Herein, we have a picture of perfection, the perfect marriage, the perfect parents, the perfect home, the perfect everything, and a few critical lessons that we can learn from this picture of perfection. First, Eve is a helper. As we have said before, we must not think in terms of worldly standards, okay, with a humanistic worldview on this idea about being a helper or being a servant. Two quick points on this here. In my introduction to the women of the Bible, if you haven't heard that, please back up and make sure you take a listen to that. But in my introduction, I did say that God refers to himself as Israel's help. He does so in Deuteronomy 33.7, and in Psalm 33.20, he refers to himself as Israel's help. So we cannot think of being a helper as being less than or being poor or something to be looked down upon, okay? If God refers to himself as that, it's not anything to be ashamed of. That's the first point on being a help. But second, we have to remember how God deems servants and servanthood overall. And these are the words that are in Matthew 20, specifically in verse 28, 
state that I just quoted to you in the story of Ida Scudder. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Those words were spoken by Jesus about his own life. There is nothing more important than giving your life for the lives of others. Eve being Adam's help was a blessing, just like it was for Jesus to give his very life for others. So Eve was a helper. That's point number one. The second one is that Eve isn't just any helper. Eve is a helper that's suitable to Adam. She's a helper that's comparable to him. Now listen, God made Adam from the dust of the ground. And in fact, he did that with all of the other animals. He made them out of the ground as well, as we learned in verse 19 in chapter 2, if you go back and read that. He made all of the animals, including Adam, out of the ground. But Eve was different. She came from man himself. She was formed like him. See, God making Eve from Adam's flesh and bone is the creation of the first bride. This picture of Adam and Eve in marriage. Listen, God is the one that institutes marriage as this mystical even union of a couple's hearts and lives. Paul calls it a great mystery in Ephesians 5, and it is God's ideal. It is God's original standard. Listen, culture is going to tell you that a husband and a wife in a home was created by some idealized standard of the 1950s, you know, some television program like Leave it to Beaver or something like that. But no, this was created here, right here, Eve being created from Adam, from his side, from his rib. This is not polygamy. It's not concubinage. It isn't the keeping of mistresses. It isn't adultery. It isn't homosexual cohabitation. It isn't promiscuity. See, one of the scholars that I'm reading is listing all of these things out, and he's saying it isn't living together outside of the marriage bond. It isn't serial marriage. This is God's ideal of family. And even when we don't live up to it, it's still important to understand it as God's ideal. So much so that Jesus quotes it in Matthew 19, and Paul sets it up as the standard in Ephesians 5. Both of them are quoting what's happening here in Genesis as the standard for marriage. But let's get practical with this for a second, okay? We know what the Bible says, right? But we all watch television, don't we? And we know that on television shows, they love to say, oh, we don't believe in marriage. It's just a piece of paper. And don't we sometimes go, wait a minute, is, is it just a piece of paper? Do you ever find yourselves wondering, or maybe your teenagers come to you and be like, isn't it just a piece of paper? Does it really matter? Is it really a big deal? Ask yourself that hard question. Does marriage, like it was between Adam and Eve, does it really matter? I almost think I don't even have to answer the question. I can just point you to the state of our culture right now. 
to what's happening to families and children and crime rates. And you can look at the source of all of the trouble. And if you trace your finger back, I am telling you, the deconstruction of Christian values or the deconstruction of society begins with this onslaught and the attack of marriage as God created it between one man and one woman right here with Adam and Eve in the garden. There's going to be more podcasts on this subject, but I want you to look closely at verse 24 that we just read. Adam says, therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. Please don't miss that. He says this before there were even parents. In other words, God had a plan for marriage and family and parenting before the fall. There was a plan in place even before the fall of mankind, before there were pieces of paper, before there was the whole institution as we know it now. This was God's master plan from the beginning. It was part of perfection. It was part of how it's supposed to be for the strength of society and culture. That was point number two. So, Eve is a helper. Eve is a suitable helper. But point number three is that Eve is under Adam's authority and protection as his helper, and that existed even before the fall. Again, in the introduction, I said being under his authority is not being less than equal. As we've said before, there is beauty and there is oneness and there is acceptance even in having different roles. I love the beautiful tradition that says, God made woman not out of Adam's foot to be trampled under him and not out of his head in order to control or be over him, but she was taken out from under his arm that he might protect her and from next to his heart that he might love her. That's Jewish tradition, and that's the picture of being under him to be protected and still being entirely his equal to be loved and cherished. So that's a picture of Eve in the creation narrative, which I love so much. I want us to not always just jump into her role in the fall, and I love all the cliches. I'm going to have a word with Eve every time I'm talking to a woman before she delivers her first child, and all the fear of the pain in childbirth, and I and I get the typical, I'm going to have a word with Eve about the pe- fact that we have pain in childbirth. Listen, there's so much more to Eve's story than just the fall and the consequences of the fall. But now let's turn, since we're on that subject, let's turn to that. Now flip to chapter three in Genesis with me, and we're going to look at Eve's role in the fall. Chapter three, beginning in verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of Of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. 
Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Okay, so let's pause there and look at the lessons on Eve's role in the fall of mankind. Obviously, Eve is deceived here, and she eats. And I want to know, how is it that Eve is so easily deceived, just so that we learn from her mistakes and we aren't bound to repeat them, okay? The first thing is here, Satan gets Eve alone. He's talking to her by herself without Adam present. She is in a moment of isolation. Lesson number one to us, oh listeners, within the sound of my voice, do not isolate, especially if you find yourself in a weakened state, if you are depressed, if you are struggling spiritually, emotionally, physically. Do not isolate for long. I am one who struggles with lupus, not just flares, but sometimes, you know, I I have migraines, I have bad physical days. I go to bed and sometimes I have to stay there for a day or two or three. And that's hard for me. It's hard. And I get isolated. Ultimately, though, it is people that get me out of that isolated place. And I end up getting to church or getting to small group or getting to something, and it's critical for me. And listen, I'm walking through something difficult with a woman that I love so dearly in my life. She's going through a string of really, really hard things, and she's making sure she does not allow herself to get isolated. She's making appointments with me and with other people in the body of Christ, and she's meeting this one for lunch, and she's scheduling time over here. She's not allowing herself to get isolated. Do not let Satan catch you alone as Eve does here. Don't do it. That's lesson number one. Number two, Satan questions God's word to her. Has God indeed said? The fall of mankind begins with Satan questioning God's word, and it hasn't stopped since. And Eve falls prey to it here. But notice very carefully what Eve says in verse 3. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Can you notice some major problems with what Eve is saying to Satan here? See, the first thing in that everybody notices in what Eve is saying here is that nowhere in God's command to Adam, which he conveyed to Eve, nowhere in the command did God say, don't touch the tree. I know that many of you know that to be true. Nowhere in God's command did he say, don't touch the tree. And maybe that was a quick, you know, add-on, right? Maybe she added that because she was so scared to make a mistake and be tempted to eat it that she added it on and said, don't even touch it. And we may do that. We add laws and rules to what God has said, somehow thinking that that's going to help us stay pure and do things correctly. But in reality, our man-made rules and barriers can end up becoming burdens, and they sometimes are why 
people just say, oh, forget it. Christianity is a bunch of do's and don'ts and laws and who can do it? And they toss out biblical Christianity altogether because what we are doing is teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And Jesus told us not to do that. He warned us against legalism. What she has done here is added on to the word of God. It's sort of the beginning of legalism and it's dangerous. Don't do it. Nowhere did God say, don't touch the tree. The second thing is, it doesn't seem that Eve even knows the name of the tree. She talks about it being the tree in the middle of the garden, but she doesn't call it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there seems to be a little bit of a vagueness about her understanding of the scriptures. And I want you to be clear on this. If you don't know what the Word of God says, and you're a little vague on the details, the enemy, the world, society, people are going to attack you on what you're vague about. So if they come up to you and say, do you know, nowhere in the Bible does it say that Jesus is actually really God. I want you to know that it is all over the New Testament where Jesus actually claims to be God. Call me email me. I will give you a list of passages. I will post it on the website. I will do whatever it takes to teach you those verses. However, you should not be vague about the things that are critically important when you're answering questions about what you believe. Be ready in season and out of season. Know what you believe. She is vague. So my ultimate lesson to us on this is, do you know the word of God, y'all? And I know it's hard to memorize it. I know that's difficult, but I just had discipleship this weekend and our friend Jeff was teaching it and he really taught us about meditating on the word of God, not just the act of memorizing it, but meditating on it, just sitting there and thinking about it and thinking about how it connects to other passages of scripture. The more you think about how it connects to other parts of the word of God, the more you know it, the less vague you will be about the details of those critical passages, whether whether they relate to women in scripture, homosexuality, sex outside of marriage, Jesus and his deity, whatever it is, the more you meditate on those passages, the more you'll know them. The third thing is that God in his commandment to Adam said that they were free to eat of all of the other trees of the garden. She doesn't seem to explain that God gave them complete freedom to eat from all of the other trees except this one tree. So she almost makes it seem like God is holding out on them. She she follows Satan's lead a little bit and she picks up the thread, almost impugning God's character here in how she poses her response to the enemy. But not so, you podcast listeners, because if you've been studying with me for any length of time, you just went through all the names of God. You know God's character, you know his names, and you know God's not holding out on you. This Elohim, our mighty creator God, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, he is our Jehovah Ra, Jehovah Shalom. He is all of the things God says he is personified in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not a set of rules and do's and don'ts. 
See, Eve received the word of God taught by Adam because God gave that word to Adam before Eve was created. Okay. So she received it, but by Adam. And so a number of things could have happened here. She could have forgotten what Adam taught her, or maybe she didn't learn it that well. Maybe she hadn't meditated on it the way I just explained to you about meditating on the word of God. Maybe Adam didn't teach her correctly. Maybe she was just caught off guard. You know, she didn't have her morning devotions and she was rushing out of her house in paradise and maybe her guard was down. But I think more likely what was happening here is that she's tempted and hearing something that suits her desire. She doesn't want to obey something here because she wants to kind of check out the tree. I don't want us to quickly blame, you know, maybe Adam didn't teach her right. Maybe Adam should have been watching her. No. Listen, this whole thing about women's liberty and women's rights and women's whatever, she owns her role here. Yes, Satan deceived her, but she didn't have to eat. She could have been deceived and said, you know what? There's a way of escape here. I don't have to eat this. But confession time. Can we confess? Listen, I'm going to start because I'm the one that always confesses my junk here on Rinse and Repeat. I fall into this trouble all the time. It starts with my vagueness on details from the Word of God. And I could blame it on lupus and say, listen, my lupus medicine makes me have lupus fog and, you know, my brain isn't what it used to be. I'm getting old and I'm sick and whatever. But no, I don't always know what the Word of God says. So many times I'm faced with a situation and I'm like, oh, I know there's a proverb on this. I just can't remember the proverb. Why didn't I memorize it? And then Satan starts to condemn me, right? And I'm like, if only I was my friend, Patty Height, she knows how to recall all the verses of the scripture. If only I was pastor so-and-so, or if only I was, and then I start to condemn myself. And then I'm like, sure, failure, and I fall. But it isn't always that I just don't know the word of God. Sometimes it's that the things I face suit the narrative that I want. I'm tempted like Eve was. I don't have to give in, but I do because I'm like, hey, I might feel like I deserve this and I want this. But you know who got this right when I might get it wrong all the time or Eve got it wrong or we get it wrong? Jesus did. He was faced with these exact temptations. That's what I love so much about the passage where he is facing temptation himself. Satan tempts Jesus in these same exact ways, and he answers every single temptation correctly from the Word of God. Again and again and again, he says, it is written. See, the solution to temptation isn't white-knuckling it. I can fight this. I can do this. I'm not going to fall into temptation. It's the appropriate application of God's word to specific situation, which is wisdom anyway, but it isn't just quoting it. Satan knows how to quote the word of God. He was doing it with Jesus in the wilderness in the first place. Satan knows how to quote the word of God, y'all. He knows the word of God. The issue isn't just quoting it. It's obeying it. The power 
Jesus had wasn't just in knowing it, speaking it, saying it. It was doing what it says. That's what Eve needed. She was giving into deception. She was giving into temptation because she didn't in her heart want in that moment to obey the word of God. I fall into trouble because in a moment, I just don't want to obey. That's the honest answer. That's when I fall into sin. That's when we're all falling into sin. It isn't just whether or not you know the word. The question is, do we want to obey it? We're going to look at this a whole lot more in our next episode, part two of Eve, next time here on Rinse and Repeat. Thank you for joining me for our first episode here on Eve, here on Rinse and Repeat. Some of the women of the Bible are going to take us two episodes to get through, especially when there's so much rich material in the Word of God, or they lay such a strong foundation for us in so many aspects of our lives. Eve here gives us a great foundation on marriage, on temptation, on overcoming sin in our lives. So we're going to take at least two episodes on Eve. If you have enjoyed your time listening to Rinse and Repeat, if you have feedback on the program, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at caroliscaros at gmail.com. That's caroliscaros, E-S-K-A-R-O-S at gmail.com. You can listen to Rinse and Repeat. I don't know how you happened across the podcast today, but you can listen to Rinse and Repeat anywhere podcasts are available, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Also here on Anchor FM, they have been so great to host the podcast. Um, We are especially excited to have reached over 4,000 listens to the podcast Thank you all for listening, and I would just love to hear from you and to hear how the podcast is affecting your life. Also, if it's a blessing to you, be sure to share it with other people. That's been such a tremendous blessing also to see more and more listeners in various parts of the country, even around the world. Also, if you would like to catch up on previous podcasts, please do so. You will hear more about me personally and the vision for Rinse and Repeat. You will also hear that I taught all the way through all of the names of God. We did the Jehovah names and all of the L names of God. You will also see that we have these special editions called Lanyap editions, special episodes that are things that are dear to my heart subjects of relationship, things from the scripture that happen to be relevant to current events of the day. You'll see those sprinkled throughout. So be sure to back up and catch up on anything you may have missed. And I can't wait for us to join up together next time for Rinse and Repeat.